Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Hello. I'm Craig Fields. I'm David Long. And you're listening to week 58 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. That's right. That's us. Uh, Craig, what's on today's show? (laughs) Well, we'll be taking a deep dive into the UK's box office with the box office rundown, and then we'll kick the reviews off with the violent yet humorous action thriller Nobody, starring Bob Odenkirk, Connie Nielsen, and Christopher Lloyd. We're then going to visit the sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard with The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard (laughs) with Ryan Reynolds, Samuel L. Jackson, Salma Hayek and Antonio Banderas. And our final review will be Dream Horse. I'm pretty sure it's one of the films that I distinctly remember was supposed to come out (laughs) pre-lockdown that we were just about to see on the precipice of seeing and then it never came out and it's been postponed for the last... It's been well, years. It's been a long time coming and a film I've been really looking forward to. So. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? Ah, well, it's finally here and it stars Tony Collette, Owen Till and Danium Lewis. And that's the show for this week. Uh, David, what's new? How are you doing? Are you well? <laughs> Let's hear your life story. Well, Craig, thank you for asking. And the first thing to say is, well, it's coming home. Um, What's coming home? Football is coming home. England are into the last 16 of the European Championship. We will be playing and beating the Germans this coming Tuesday evening. I'm petrified. I'm terrified. I'm currently wearing my England shirt. Um, How are you feeling about the football? Um, Have you been watching it? We haven't actually conversed conversed much at all. We haven't been lads. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yes, I've been watching it uh, mainly the England games. Yeah. Um, the first one was appalling. Um, it was the most boring English football game I've seen in a long time. Are you referring to the Scotland game? Yes. That was, was the second game England played. We it? had Croatia first. We beat Croatia 1-0. Oh, well, I missed but that one. The Scotland game was very poor. 0-0, disappointing. But we did top the group. Um yeah, I mean, just well, let me just go back to the what I was saying about the England game and the Scotland game. It was just lacking any energy. I think someone forgot to, to drink some Red Bull or some Coca-Cola <laughs> or, I mean, we're not sponsored by any of those Coca-Colas or any or Red, Bullion. Red Bullions or, or Boost Energies. Do you I know mean, Jamie that- Vardy? You, you wouldn't know this, but Jamie Vardy, footballer, have you heard of him? Um, yes. Um he drinks Red Bull before he plays a football match. I'm not surprised. It's gives it's, you wings. It's not the most healthy of options. Um, but no, you are right. For for a European Championship game, England versus the old enemy, Scotland. It's the oldest um, fixture in football. And yeah, it was just it was like everyone had done a ten kilometer run pre match. There was no energy. There was no real effort. And it was, you know, it was. But it was. Uh, we we may have Scottish listeners. It was their big day out. So um, <laughs> big day out. Congratulations to them for drawing against us. But we proceed, and unfortunately, Scotland go out. If you are Scottish, and very fortunate if you are English like myself. Uh, yes. And then uh, yeah, against the Germans. So that's um, uh, terrifying, isn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, they're amazing. I mean, their their current side is not amazing, but our history against Germany in knockout football is not great. I mean, the, what was the World Cup final? 
that one time. 1966? Yeah. Well, then. <laughs> we'll go back to that. What else has been happening, Craig? I know you want to touch upon on, upon something. Oh, uh, come on. Let's talk about some politics. I know you have a uh, politics degree. I would see you've, um, you, we've discussed this before. You've, you've come up with the phrase hopeless Hancock. Yes, Matt hopeless Hancock has been further hopeless in the sense that he has been caught red-handed mm. by the sun, no less, um, kissing a lady um, who wasn't his wife. Um, During times where he was actually publicly encouraging people to uh, adhere to social distancing. Um, it's reckless. This is... It's hopeless. It's very, very, very poor from the government. And what surprises me is the fact that he's... I mean, I don't know what I want to happen, but he's apologised. And Boris has said, brr, brr, I consider this matter over. And it's a bit like, no, no I don't think it is. It's a, you know, politicians should be held up to the highest order of moral compasses, codes, etc. Mm. And yes, people deserve to have a private life. But when you're currently during like, it's, it's a pandemic, <laughs> you know, these are, these are like high risk times and they are preaching to adhere to, uh, you know, conditions that you would think they should be mm. adhering to. And, um, and he has it off with some other bird. That's disgraceful. It's not great. Um, and should be sacked immediately. Well, we will have to see what happens there. Um, I wonder if Dominic Cummings has got anything else on him. <laughs> What else has happened? I shouldn't have said the word bird, really. Either. No, you so, shouldn't. Oh, it's the football talk. It's got me a it's, bit laddy. It's, it's, it's I'm not, really sorry. It's not I- ideal language to be using. But what else happened? The sofa is gone. Um, Let's just skip back a bit for any listeners that may not have heard the previous episode where you had sofa gate. So I it wasn't really sofa gate. I, I acquired a sofa. Um, I made a, a very kind offer. Back alley dealing. That somebody could pick this sofa up for free and I got lumbered with it for three days. But it's gone to a loving home and I'm very, very pleased. Didn't you put it on Facebook? saying that you were trying to sort it out for a mate, weren't you? No, I put it on Facebook saying <laughs> I was trying to do a favour for a friend. It was a free sofa. And then this clown opposite me commented... What friend were you doing a favour for, sorry? Any friend. I don't understand. Uh, it's not this again. This clown <laughs> opposite me put how much and then I had 50 comments asking me how much it is. But in, in summary, football's coming home. Hopeless Hancock. The sofa's gone to a loving home. I'm well, still hitting the gym, still losing a bit of weight. Um, yeah. well, what are you doing at the gym? I'm doing a mixture of cardio and weight. So trying to basically lose a bit of, of fat and sustain slash build a bit of muscle at the same time. As you can see, it's working. Look at those guns. Uh, David is flexing his <laughs> arms for the listeners that can't see what he's doing. And um, you know how in the cartoon when you you, know, you see the muscles and they go and then it just droops down. <laughs> I'm joking. It's, it's actually in quite impressive. Imagine it's an impressive Popeye thing. with his spinach. That's what I look like. And then right. it's afterwards. And it just sort of, yeah. It's, um, but I think that's enough waffle from us. Is it waffle? It is pure waffle. <laughs> well, where's the button? There's the button. Good man. There's there's a selection of buttons and you press the white one. Well done. Thanks. Sometimes the man you don't notice is the most dangerous of all, and Hutch Mansell is an underestimated and overlooked dad and husband taking life's indignities on the chin and never pushing back. A real nobody. When two thieves break into his suburban home one night, Hutch declines to defend himself 
or his family, hoping to prevent serious violence. His teenage son, Blake, is disappointed in him and his wife, Becca, seems to pull only further away. The aftermath of the incident strikes a match and Hutch's long-simmering rage triggering dormant instincts and propelling him on a brutal path that will surface dark secrets and lethal skills. In a barrage of fists, <laughs> gunfire and squealing tyres... Hutch must save his family from a dangerous adversary and ensure that he will never be underestimated as a nobody again. <laughs> and that, that synopsis, I think, is pretty much the most legendary one that I've ever read before. Uh, but this is Nobody, and this is a clip from the film. Agent Mansell, FBI. <laughs> I'm looking for... What? Your ID is a badge, expired by about 20 years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that ain't you in the photo. So, who are you? I'm just a man who's looking for someone. Yeah, well, you probably shouldn't flash cheese like that around here, bro. There are three types of people who, as you say, flash cheese. People who don't know any better, people who are seeking to intimidate, and people like me who wish with every fiber of their being that someone would try to take it from them. Uh. Thank you for your service. You too, old timer. So that was a clip from Nobody and um, nothing could have lived up to the incredible synopsis that was given by you, dear Craig. Um, but did the film live up to that synopsis? <laughs> um, what did I think of this film? Well, I went in with sort of no expectations, really. I didn't actually know much about this film. Uh, I hadn't seen a trailer. Mm. So I went in somewhat blind, which regular listeners will know that I, I sort of like to do. Um and the film had this really, really intriguing opening where basically our protagonist was asked, who are you? And he was asked that by what appeared to be two police officers. And in the most sort of dramatic yet calm way, he just replies, nobody. I'm a nobody. <laughs> and immediately you're interested. You're thinking, well, who is this guy? What does he do? And why has he been arrested? What, what situation is he in? And the film is very, very clever. It starts very similar to The Commuter, actually. Um, it shows us his monotonous, I think that's a word, I hope that's a word. It certainly is. Um, daily routine. So we see Monday, very, very similar to Tuesday, and Tuesday's very similar to Wednesday, him mm. taking the bins out, him going to work, him sitting at his desk, him doing a job, him coming home. Um, and it and it gets a feel of this, you know, repetitive nature. Repetitive, mundane lifestyle. And it's a really, really slow burn, but also you get the sense that this is a man at breaking point. This is where the film is very, very, very clever because every time you see him, I'm not lying when I say he looks like he's on the verge of a breakdown. He's sizzling. He's boiling. You know when you cook soup 
and it starts to bubble and you think that's done. What do you do? You take it off the hob, you pour it into a bowl and you have a delicious soup. If you leave the soup <laughs> on the hob, it bubbles, it starts spitting, hissing, soup goes all up the walls. That is this man. He is a soup on the verge of boiling over. Um, and he does boil over. And the way... Um, his character is developed. Um, the way his character changes um, is really, really good. And before you come in, Craig, this film has a number of fighting sequences, one of which takes place on a bus, um, which I know you were a big fan of. Um, but the, 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 the f- film takes place on a bus. Sorry, what did I say? I, uh, you said the film takes place on a bus. I'm sorry. I'm touching Craig now across the studio to apologise. Um, that sounds a bit weird. Yeah, um, <laughs> but... It, a scene takes place on a bus, one particular scene, which I know you were a fan of, Yes, um, has a fantastic fighting sequence. Um, and I will talk more about the the violence in this film, the use of explicit language and gore and stuff like that a bit more in, later in the review. But all I would say is I, I, I feel like the director or the whole film was fishing and trying to get you to bite and trying to suck you in. And I literally, as soon as I saw that bait, I bet I thought this film really drew, drew me in. And before I talk about where it goes, what did you think when you first went in? Did it excite you? Did it captivate you? Is it like me? Were you interested in our main character? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the film, uh, when, as soon as, as, like you said, the mundaneness of his life did um, have essences of Liam Neeson's commuter. It, his character also has some reflections of a previous film we saw in the cinema, uh, Unhinged, uh, with Russell Crowe. <laughs> there is this element yeah, of yeah. this man looking like he's about to crack. Russell Crowe was already pretty much there in that film. Yeah, Russell Crowe um, was, was way off the hook. He was way off the hook. Way off the hook. Way, way, way off the scales or charts <laughs> or whatever. The door the, was unhinged, put uh, it that way. Yeah, let's put it that way. Um, but uh, our our lead protagonist, played by Bob Ogden, there uh, there Bob, <laughs> you, you'll get there. Well, I will if I actually could say his name. Bob Odenkirk is the best way of putting it. Um, my girlfriend is now texting me saying, it "Looks like I've, you've been very busy tidying up." I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is going on in this show? Honestly, can you put that on silent? I, I'm trying. Oh dear. Do not disturb. There we go. Um, so, <laughs> what? Let me just take this back a little bit. Bob Odenkirk has uh, since 2017 have been training for this role. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So he started out in the industry as a writer for many, many years, um, and he's better known for Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, um, which is the spin-off show for. Um, Breaking Bad that stars his character Jimmy McGill um, and it's not he's not somebody you would see in a role such as this as you said there is violence yeah. um, I think we could probably expand on that right about now the violence in this film is heavy it's it's extraordinary the fight scenes are incredible so when I when they say from 2017 he'd been preparing for this role he had been getting fit uh, practicing you know the different um, choreographed moves that needed to take place. And it took a long time for mm. this film to finally come to the big screen. But you know what? I think what makes the film is is Bob Odenkirk's commitment to to make this character come alive. And it's not and it's such a it comes from such a left field because of the way that we we've seen him before. We've never seen him in a role like this. He is a, a humorous character that has that has never really been viewed as somebody who could literally kill somebody 
like without much effort and without giving away too much there is a scene that takes place on the bus that has this brilliant juxtaposition with the with the music it has the the fantastic action the dialogue is hilarious but at the same time the violence is gory enough but not too gory it's entertaining it's it's everything i would want to see in the film and that scene in particular really really stole the show for me and i I just really enjoyed really enjoyed the film overall Mm. but notably because of that performance i think it's so strong so powerful and yeah brilliant yeah and there's a mixture of so i'm very hit and miss when it comes to slow motion um you you reviewed um Zack Snyder's Justice League there's what 22 minutes of slow motion in that yeah. um, it can be overused but this film uses slow motion and I think it does effectively um, there was it doesn't use it too much no, and it's not noticeable so yeah. I don't feel like it's something like just the Justice League film or especially Zack Snyder's version of it where it was just incessant yeah, and yeah. noticeable and you know distracting almost with this if it is used in the film i can't remember it because you know what it's effective it didn't need it because well it might have needed it i don't Mm. know but if 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 it was there i can't remember it was it was effective yeah yeah that's what that's literally what i'm saying the use of slow-mo was effective one particular scene where they had the song you'll never walk alone with guns and bullets and explosions in slow motion it was ludicrous it was ridiculous it was over the top it was you know unnecessarily necessary if that makes sense yeah it makes perfect sense like it was ludicrous and brash and in your face but it worked um and the character development was good the way the film slowly unpieced um our our protagonist's life story was good uh, I was really engaged with this film um, from the start and pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised and excited and entertained and thrilled. And um, yeah, it just it just harked back to the Keanu Reeves film. Um, can, you, can you remember what it's called? Uh, yes, I can. It's the one where his dog is murdered. Yeah, what's the name of the film? Um, there's, there's three <laughs> of them. There um, are, yeah. On Live On Air, I can't remember. You know what? Neither can I. I was hoping you were. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, what is wrong with us this week? Um, Keanu Reeves in. I want to say Jack. No. Oh, that's so close. I know. Oh, our listeners will be listening and know it. Um, it's it's a one man name. John Wick. Ah, that's it. Jack. Jack. Keanu Reeves is Jack, Jack Wick. Wick. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. I know exactly what you mean. That idea of. But I think I, I related to this character, and I'm sure other human beings can. When you're going through a time of stress mm. and you're on the edge and he just snaps and it's, yeah. it's relatable. I want to just <laughs> go back to the John Wick thing, though. Yeah. Like how similar the, the beginning storyline is to that as well because there is a robbery that takes place and within this robbery they steal something of his daughter's and it's just what... Yep. It makes him snap is the fact that they they took this kitty bracelet. Yeah. And it's, you know, they came in and they, you know, in John Wick, they killed his dog and that yeah. turned him. I mean, in this one, it's, they stole a, a bracelet and that really is what pushed him over the edge. Yeah. And he goes after it. And uh, yeah, honestly, I think this film is 
one of the best films I've seen in a while in, in, in regards to an action thriller that, that is like on the same veins as The Commuter. And it's better than The Commuter. Oh, it's better than The Commuter, but it's like this, this action thriller that, that has this man who you wouldn't suspect to be able to do these mm. things goes on to do these things. And it's yeah, John Wick, it's, it's The Commuter. I think this is one of the better versions of this man who becomes somebody else. Uh, it's, um, it's, yeah, by far my favourite. I'm thinking of The Gentleman by Guy Ritchie. Similar kind of vibe to it, violent, funny, bit different. Yeah, I think I think the gentleman's in a different league though. Better. I, yeah, I think the storytelling's yeah, very different. I think it's it's got some better acting in there actually. Um, this is your typical American action thriller where the gentleman's this British mob, uh, and it's got gangster, Hugh Grant. It has Hugh Grant in just great, a brilliant great role. performance from Hugh yeah, exactly. Grant. So it's it's one of those films. I, I, yeah, I don't think I can put that in the same league. Okay. It just Sorry. came off the top of my head. Yeah. But no, look, just to, to summarise this review, um, you know, often we talk about soundtracks and cinematography. All of these elements to the film were good, but it was the action sequences. You know, Craig says our protagonist trained three years for this role. Doesn't surprise me. It was slick. It was well made. It was well paced. It was enjoyable. And I think the most important thing about it is it needs to be seen on the biggest screen. I think this was great in the cinema. I really, really yeah. enjoyed it. And I didn't expect to. I thought it was going to be mediocre. And it was far from it. Let's talk about Christopher Lloyd as well being in this film. Uh, I was absolutely um, uh, just like I was such a I was uh, being a bit of a fanboy seeing him there. He's the Doc in in, in Back to the Future. Yeah, uh, he's in so many other great films as well. Um, but he is he's the guy that I grew up with yeah. in with Back to the Future, and um, to see him in in a role such as this as a very old man. Yeah, but lethal. Um, yeah, a, tr- a tremendous actor. Um, a f- one of my favourites, and like you said, it was just wonderful to see him playing a very, a, a, just a good role. It, you know, he makes it worth Humorous. it himself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that, 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 um, why am I saying that so much? Um, I'm glad you brought up that uh, performance because it was, it was good. Good. Um, anything you'd like to add? Anything in your notes further? Unless, I, uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Would you like to ask a question? I will ask you the question. Uh, Craig, nobody, I forgot the name of the show. Is it worth it? <laughs> I nearly said, was it worth it? Uh, yeah, this was definitely worth seeing on the big screen. It's a 15, it's an hour and a half. It's totally worth going to the cinema to see. Um, if you are somebody who enjoys uh, John Wick or other films like that, this is right up your street. I think it's one of the better versions of these kind of films. Um to see Bob Odenkirk in the in the way that he is in this film as well, it's transformational. Um, it's just some brilliant acting um, and just very fun, funny, and entertaining action thriller. Mm. Uh, David, nobody is it worth it? Look, I think you summarised it really well. It's it's a good, fun film with good action. Um, good character development and yeah what I liked about it is it hooks you it draws you in it invests you and ultimately that journey you go on is definitely worth it Uh, nobody check it out in your local cinema definitely worth it from me and me
So our next review is The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and I will try and read the synopsis with the same vigour and enthusiasm that Dear Craig read the last one with. Um, what's this film about? Well, the world's most lethal and odd couple, bodyguard Michael Bryce, played by Ryan Reynolds, and hitman Darius Kincaid, played by Samuel L. Jackson, are back on another life-threatening mission. Still unlicensed and under scrutiny, Bryce is forced into action by Darius's even more volatile wife, the infamous international con artist Sonia Kincaid, played by Salma Hayek. As Bryce is driven over the edge by his two most dangerous protectees, the trio get in over their heads in a global plot and soon find that they are all that stand between Europe and a vengeful and powerful madman, played by Antonio Banderas. Let's take a little listen to a clip. Hey there, future Michael. It's today, Michael. I think you'd be proud to know that I'm officially on sabbatical and... I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. In fact, for the first time... Since Kincaid killed Kurosawa, I'm starting to imagine a life without bodyguarding. <laughs> this really feels like a new beginning. Let's go, baby! I'm on the I'm on the Did I know you? Did I know you? I'm Sonia Kincaid. The mafia took my husband. We have to go get him. No, no, no. I, I, I'm not getting involved in this. I'm under strict psychological orders. Finally, Darius isn't haunting my dreams. Come on, let's go! file! <laughs> good lord oh dear I mean that clip really summarises the film in my eyes in mm. the sense that it is total chaos yeah just like that clip and mm. I feel like maybe we should have warned our listeners that that might have been coming <laughs> yeah so I, I hadn't heard the clip that Craig had selected and I jumped out of my skin here in the studio <laughs> um, we, we were sort of chatting off air that that clip is in the trailer and the trailer is important for this film. I think we'll both agree that the trailer was good. We said that in the box office rundown. But what did you think of the film overall? Because I went in with high expectations. So my review might be slightly tinted. Yeah, okay. So have you seen the first film? I have. Um, we didn't review it on this show. No. Um, but I have seen the first film. Um, I honestly can't remember much about it other than I've seen it. Forgive me. Well, the first film I actually was... I thought it was okay. Yeah. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, th th this film, I don't know where I stand with it completely. Like, there are elements of it that I think are brilliant. In, I would agree. In terms of, like, the delivery of comedy from Ryan Reynolds. I think he's always on par uh, to, to most films that he does. Like, he's always giving a good comedic performance. Um, he's nowhere near the sort of standard that we see with Deadpool. Yeah, I was um, about to say that. But he is very entertaining. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I thought this film was pretty poor. Um, I was entertained, but like the the way the violence unfolds, it's not like nobody. Like they're they're two very similar films in the sense that the violence that ensues are is is quite gory in mm. some sense. But the I think what undersells this film um, is the story. Yes, and I think the story is really severely lacking. There's a character within the film that I don't really want to say who it is yep. because it would spoil the film. That comes sort of a bit left field. Yeah. I wasn't really sure why he was there. Yep. Um, I I didn't really. I don't really think he felt 
feel like he fit the profile to be that character. But at the same time, it's the comedic value of having that person play that character. It's almost like they just try to get as many big names in this film. The the real standout performance I would like to have seen more of is Antonio Banderas. I think he he is a a great bad guy. And... I think he, like, he he's the sort of guy I would have liked to have seen play Kenneth Browning's character in Tenant. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, actually, he would have been he yeah, would have suited that role so much better. But is this film one that I could recommend? It remains to be seen until we finish talking. I think, yeah. and I think I'll make my mind up once I've heard more of your thoughts. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. The, the main problem with this story is the plot. Now, I forgive me. I will be honest, I couldn't really follow what was going on at times. Like, this film has multiple locations, multiple characters. Even though there's one bad guy, there is, you know, he has a a whole team of bad guys that get killed and then he sends out more bad guys and they get killed and there's stuff happening in this part of Europe and then it goes to that part of Europe. And it's it's all very, not confusing. Convoluted, yeah. Convoluted is a good um, word to describe it. And the, the the the, I mean, firstly, the plot is ridiculous. Um, what our bad guy is trying to do. Secondly, it's not particularly believable. And this is where the film, for me, struggles. So, is this a funny film? Well, the the cinema that I was in was pretty full, obviously adhering to social distancing. Um, but it was you know twenty five thirty percent full, pretty decent numbers for you know a late night viewing of this movie. Mm. And there was a lot of laughing in the cinema. And I mean a lot of laughing. Yeah. Um, I didn't find this film particularly funny. There was a there was two or three moments that I genuinely laughed out loud at. But there was a, I can only go by other people in the cinema and they were laughing. They were enjoying it. Um, there's a lot of swearing in this. And you know what I'm like with swearing. Unnecessary swearing just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, it's not like that Hatton Garden robbery film with Michael Caine. That was, that was totally unnecessary. That was awful. And very <laughs> unexpected hearing Michael Caine say some of they these used words. the C word. Yeah, that was um, bizarre. Yeah, no, no, that that was totally unnecessary. Mm. But in this film, it's almost it's not unnecessary. It's not necessary either. I feel like nobody did this film better. Mm. Like it. I, when I say this kind of film, I mean, it's like, it's an action thriller. Yeah. Uh, there's comedy in Nobody, it's but it's mo- subtle comedy. Yeah. This one is just, you know, a knife straight through the chest. It's You see it coming. Mm. Whereas with Nobody, it's like a knife in the back because you don't see it coming. Yeah, good analogy. I know, yeah, that was quite good, wasn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, I... Mm. One thing I'll throw at you, I think the problem with this film is it try, Deadpool does it well. That yeah. action comedy. But that's because it breaks the fourth wall. Yes, but, but the problem this film has is it is funny at times and funny, clearly funnier than I found it because everyone in the cinema was laughing. But when you're laughing at something, it's then difficult to get invested in it as a serious thriller, you know, with consequences. There's always a bad guy that wants to end the world. Yeah, but you know what? There's clever humour and then there's just plain stupid humour in terms of like just being silly. Mm. And this was like, you know, bridging that gap almost in the middle of trying to be clever. Yeah. And, but it's just, just going down that silly lane. It was silly. And some of the explosions, some of the, the amount of people that died in this film was crazy. Oh yeah. 
Like a lot I mean, of deaths. It's, it's a kind of like John Wick again, like yeah. in the sense of the amount of people that um, get killed and slaughtered. And it was it just felt convoluted and confused. Maybe I'm overanalyzing. Some of the character development, we have a cameo in here, which we're not going to say who from. His character arc was was just ludicrous. The way his character changed was uh, just didn't make sense. Ryan Reynolds' uh, mother or character mother, I suppose, in the film, the backstory to her was just yeah, that was strange. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> Do you know what? This was entertaining, but if you dissect it, it's not a particularly good film. No, it's not. But then, does that make it worthless or worth it? it it's a tough one because, you know, we often talk about having our critical hat on. Mm. And I, I think I know whether it's worth it or not. Um, it's And, I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to telling you, dear listener. I think Craig is troubled by this one because he's genuinely not sure. And the reason he's not sure is because it is a tough one. Um, and again, you know, it, it's... I don't want to use the word solid. It's a, it's a mess, but it's an entertaining mess, is the way I would summarise it. Um, yeah, I think you summarised that pretty good, actually, because I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's terrible. But did it entertain but you? But it entertained me to an extent. Yeah. I'm troubled... <laughs> in general, or I mean, probably not in general. Just, I, just at this particular. Do you want me to ask the answer the question first? Uh, oh, dear listener, actually, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, obviously, I can't have that right now, but do email the show. Uh, my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. And I'd love to hear if you've A, seen this film and what you thought about it because I'm struggling with it. David probably is kind of struggling with it a little bit. David, the hitman's bodyguard's wife, or the hitman's wife's bodyguard, I can't get the name right. Is it worth it? I'm going to say no. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's worth it. If you if you gave me a choice between nobody and hitman's wife's bodyguard, I'd say go and see nobody. Um, I think this is an entertaining film. Uh, I think there's some good performances, there's a good cameo, and there's some good action sequences, but I, I don't personally think it's worth the price of a cinema ticket i would wait for it to come on streaming services that's my personal opinion you know what yeah i think that's brilliant um i completely agree with that this is not worth going to the cinema to see uh, and purchasing that cinema ticket mm. go and see nobody yeah. it does everything better it does the comedy better it does the gore better it does the fight scenes better it 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 has a better runtime in some instances it's like 10 minutes shorter but it feels like it wraps up a lot better. This one doesn't feel like it puts the bow on the present. I think they've left it open for a third one. Probably. Again, they will see how it does at the box office, um, currently sitting at number one. Mm. Um, but no, I just don't think it's worth the price of a cinema ticket. Look, if you've got one of those cards, a limitless card on a... Um, uh, oh, blimey, what's the other one called? Unlimited. Unlimited. <laughs> I got the other way around last week. Um you know, if you've got one of those cards, then maybe check it out. But for me, wait for it to come on streaming services. Um, it's it's an entertaining mess, but it's one that can be viewed at home. Yeah, I guess that was our review of the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, the Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. I don't know. <laughs> and we're at the close of the show already. Um, it's, uh, well... Last review. 
I mean, it goes quick, doesn't it, when you have three films to review each week? Reasonably. Uh, you'd have to ask the dear listener. They may be struggling. I have to look at the edit at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, the final review on this week's episode is Dream Horse. Uh, this scene's Jan Vokes, played by Tony Collette, uh, a cleaner and bartender, recruits her initially reluctant husband, Brian, and local accountant, Howard, uh, to help her bring together a syndicate of local people to breed a fowl. Foal. Foal. Oh, dear. Uh, which they name Dream Alliance. On the racetrack, he proves himself to be more than a match for the multi-million pound racehorses he comes up against. A true working class champion taking on the establishment at their own game. But much more than this, Dream begins to alter the lives of everyone in the syndicate, not least Jan's. He is everything to her. Friend, confident, or confidant, and an escape from a life of always putting others or other people's needs first. Uh, here we have a clip for Dream Horse. With a bit of work, be worth giving him a crack at your local Jim Carner. Good luck. He's not having a job. Governor? rough around the edges. He's definitely got something about him. It's uh, spirit, character, like his own. So that's a clip from Dream Horse. And in that clip, we see Jan Vokes taking her horse, Dream Alliance, to Philip Hobbs, who is one of um, England, Britain's uh, top trainers. And we see a, a fairly uh, fresh, green, um, sort of confused horse, um, not really knowing what his job is, on the gallops, mm. not really showing much promise. And then the rider gives the horse a bit of encouragement and on the gallops he starts to show what you want to see from a racehorse, which is a bit of commitment to the job in hand. And it's a, it's a nice clip, it's an uplifting clip, and it summarises what the film is, and that is an uplifting film about a truly incredible story. I mean, to put it into perspective... Owning a racehorse is one thing. They are not cheap. Breeding a racehorse is a completely separate thing. Um, and to breed a successful racehorse often takes a lot of money. Well, I I just enjoyed the fact of where this horse was born and Absolutely. where it came from. And what, what like when they were saying when it was racing, 
they would say, you know, what, what did they say, David? I don't know. Well, born on a, an allotment. Oh, born on an allotment. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. And this is this is a true story. There was a documentary made about Dream Alliance where you saw the real people. Um, you know, when you take when you um, breed a racehorse, you've got to get a colt. Uh, and a, a colt and a mare. You've got to get them together. Mm. Um, there's a breeding fee. They're often raised in incredible, incredible um, stables where they get lots of. Ca- you know, to breed a foal on an allotment in itself was an achievement. To get a racehorse on a racetrack is an achievement. Most racehorses never win a race. That's the reality of horse racing. So what this horse achieved, and I won't give it away, even though I knew the story, what Dream Alliance achieved as a racehorse was remarkable, a truly inspiring story. And I went into this film with very mixed emotions because... Firstly, I knew the story, so I knew exactly what was going to happen, pretty much how it was going to happen. I'm also very closely attached to racehorsing as an industry. Um, Like I said earlier, I'm part of a syndicate called the Owners Group, which is very similar to what um, these people did here, where thousands of us own a very small percentage of a racehorse. Um, So we we get updates about its training, you know, we we follow it on the race course. So I went in with, with high expectations and... I'm really interested to see what you think of this film um, before I say what I think of it. Okay. Well, from my point of view, I've never been a fan of racehorses, like racing in general, yeah. uh, especially with horses. You know, it's like boxing. I don't like watching two people knock 10 barrels out of each other. Mm. Um, and with racehorsing, you're Horse race- racing. What did I say? Racehorsing. Racehorsing, horse racing. What's the difference? Well, one's English and the other one's gibberish. Is it? Horse racing. Race horsing. Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) What am I talking about? Um, Horse racing is something that I view in a similar similar vein. Like, you know, it's dangerous for the horse. It it can be dangerous for the horse. There's a lot of horses that have died. They're bred for entertainment. Do I enjoy that? Do I like that? I disagree with it. But... I can't deny the fact that this film is certainly uplifting and the horses do bring joy to a lot of people. Um, They are amazing creatures in the sense that they're used for for therapy as well. Um, They have just this amazing sense of understanding and gauging human responses that the human doesn't even know at the time that they're feeling and they can bring out emotions in people that people have never, never experienced before. And, um, from that point of view, this film touches upon the love and joy and spirit that it brings to the owners of this of this racehorse, and it, it certainly was uplifting to watch. I was, you know, at, on tenterhooks when the when the when the race was happening, and I didn't want to be like part of me morally is like I don't want to watch this, but at the same time I know it's a film. I don't know how they managed to get this horse to race were they using footage from real i don't know it obviously wasn't like it was shot for the film so it was really well shot in that sense it it um the horses were great in the film like i don't know like it was really really good um i really really enjoyed the movie like a lot yeah i I was i was interested to see what craig thought because we have very different opinions about horse racing and we won't get into that on air um what did i think of this film this is 
Firstly, what I would say is there is a lot of comedy in this movie that I didn't expect. Mm. There's a lot of genuine laugh-out-loud moments. Um, The pace of the film is very, very good. Um, I think the narrative is very, very solid as well. And the character development is sound enough. The, The problem I have with this film, it just feels very, very predictable. It's like, even though I knew the story... If I didn't know the story, I knew where this movie was going. It just felt like they it was it was a tick box exercise of we've mm. got to do this, we've got to do that. Um, I obviously love horse racing. Uh, have seen a number of films about horse racing. Um, I think it's not as good as 2003's Sea Biscuit, which starred Tobey Maguire, Jeff Bridges, Chris Cooper, and William H Macy. If you haven't seen Sea Biscuit from 2003. I think that's a tremendous movie. Would you say that's a really true Hollywood film, though? Like It's, it's more Hollywood, but the thing about Seabiscuit is you've got the story of the horse, you've got the story of the jockey, you've got the story of the owner, and you've got the story of the trainer. And you're really invested in all of them. With Dream Alliance, the, the story is much more horse-centred. Well, it, you say it's much more horse-centred, but it's what the horse does for, for the these syndicate, people, yeah. for, the, for these people, and it brings these people together. The film really reminded me of Fisherman's Friend in in the sense that it's a very yeah. British film. Yeah. It's, it's got the comedy in there. It's It's got this, you know, bringing these characters together um, and, and telling a true story yeah. in a sense as well. And uh, you'll be pleased to know, actually, Fisherman's Friend 2. Friends. Fisherman's Friends, no, yeah, Fisherman's Friends 2, sorry, is on its way. Brilliant. I uh, love 2022. I, I often listen to the Fisherman Friends, Fisherman's Friends soundtrack. For sea shanties. I do like a sea shanty. So, in my opinion, back on Dream Horse. Um, Dream Horse? It's, Dream it's, Horse? N- it's not as good as Seabiscuit, but it's better than Disney's um, Secretariat, um, which is a, a film about an American racehorse. Um in my notes, and we don't do stars on this film, and Craig will probably shout at me for saying this, but I think this is the most three-star film I have ever seen since doing this podcast. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's impossible, and I mean truly impossible, to give this a film a bad review. It's You cannot give it a bad review. It's uplifting. It's funny. It's well-acted. It's well-paced. It's a true story. You'll come out feeling slightly inspired and and uplifted by it but at the same time it's not an amazing film it has its faults and it's it it genuinely is what, what three you, stars all all over it what would you say are its faults then um i think it has faults in the way it portrays the racing industry um particularly certain owners and trainers as being very very snobby um i don't think that's the you've got two types of racing you've got flat do you, do you think that's an exaggeration a, of the type of people that do train and it i mean you've got two types of horse racing flat racing where they run on the flat mm. and jumps racing where they jump over obstacles flat racing traditionally historically is much more about money you have to have a lot more money to breed a flat horse than a, than a jumps horse. This is about jumps racing. Um, it's just little little inaccuracies that you wouldn't notice. The way um, the horse was trained, um, just little inaccuracies. And so then, from my point of view, then you know, I I I would never ever pick up those inaccuracies. No, you wouldn't ever. And from a cinema going point of view, or a cinema goer point of view, who has no knowledge of the industry, yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I thought the film was brilliant. I thought the pace was brilliant. I thought the acting was brilliant. I thought the humour was brilliant. It was well-timed. I thought the way that the, the horses were depicted in the film and were used within the film was brilliant. Um, the, the races that went on were edge of your seat, the way they, they, they filmed it and uh, whatnot. I feel like, yeah, the most uplifting film I've seen this year. I genuinely think it was a very, very good film. I get on. I understand what you mean by the most three star film. It's so solid. It's so. It's got. You can't. You can't deny that maybe there are those mistakes in mm. there. I've only found out about those mistakes five seconds ago. Yeah. But does it diminish my view on the film? Not at all. I. I. I still think it's an uplifting film, and I. It won't take away the fact that I felt uplifted whilst watching the film. Mm. I still. I would still probably get that feeling of 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 sentiment sentimental feeling and attachment to the horse to mm. to these characters but when if i watched it again so you know i, I don't think it dimin- diminish diminishes that that at all do you know i'm absolutely delighted because i expected you to really dislike this film i expected you to dislike the premise me I ex- too i expected you to dislike the fact it was about horse racing me too um <laughs> totally and- as well <laughs> look for, for 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 if you don't know anything about horse racing this is probably like a really, really good film. If you're like me and you know about the horse racing industry, it's like anything. If 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 you know about it, if you've got inside knowledge and you you watch a film about that subject, you're always going to go, oh, that. it's like if you're a historian and mm. you watch a, a period piece, you'll go, that's wrong. I think, I that's think, wrong. I think historians have to allow for that though yeah. because there's always going to be these inaccuracies because... You're never going to get it 100%. It's like scientists when they watch a sci-fi. There's always going to be some kind of physics that are out of whack. You know, Christopher Nolan really tried um, in the... Interstellar. In in, 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 in Interstellar, exactly, to get the science right. He employed physician... Physicians? (laughs) What am I saying? Doctors. Doctors. Physicists. Physicists. Physicians. Physicians. (laughs) God. (laughs) God. Um... But for them to give an accurate visual yeah. as to what the science looked like. So you but you're always gonna get something wrong. Mm. Always. And there's always gonna be these embellishments yeah. to to make it more entertaining. Yeah. It's interesting you say that you found the the racing scenes edge of your seat. I watch a lot of horse racing, as you know, and I thought they did a good job, but I can tell you real horse racing is more exciting than than, well, than this I don't was... know. I've seen obviously real horse racing before and the way that it's shot is pretty standard and I feel because it's shot for the cinema mm. the way that the camera angles were were totally different to what yeah. you'll ever see in a real racehorse it was, it was interesting yeah you know can you imagine if every race race was filmed in the way that it was shot for this film how much more entertaining that would be would be cinematic. It would be, but it was fo- focused on Dream Alliance. Yes, yeah, it was what focused I mean? on one very horse. much so, and that's why you build that emotional connection to that mm. race with that carrot with with that horse. Yeah, I mean, maybe I've gone in with my expectations too high. Maybe I've gone in as a as a race horse racing fan owner as well. Slip that in, and um, with 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 my expectations a little bit too high. But I yeah. stand by what I said before we asked the questions. This film is impossible to give a bad review to. I don't know the Rotten Tomato scores, um, but I can tell you they'll be good. Uh, I don't even need to look at them. Um, it, this this is a, this is an un 
you cannot say this is a bad film. No. Um, but it is three stars from me. So should we ask questions? <laughs> yes, and I won't do stars again. I apologize, David. Dream Horse, is it worth it? I'm going to say Dream Horse is is worth seeing in the cinema for a, for a number of reasons. Um, it's uplifting. It's well paced. Um, the narrative is solid. There's good character development, and the horse is Dream Alliance is is gorgeous. And there's lots of funny moments, and you will come out uplifted. Um, if you are a horse racing fan and you know the industry as well as I do, you will see things and go that's not quite right that shouldn't be like that but i sort of forgive this film i want to see it again it's definitely worth seeing the cinema and um, maybe i've been a bit critical of it i'm delighted that craig enjoyed it craig dream horse for you is it worth it yes definitely worth going to see in the cinema uh probably one of the most family friendly uplifting films you can see at the moment um it's a pg so you can take the family to go and see it everyone from grandparents right the way down to the youngest maybe five-year-old would be able to yep. watch this and still get something out of it um you know maybe five is a bit young but either way I, d I definitely think this was worth seeing I thought the performances were great the comedy was great and it was yeah totally uplifting um, so that brings us to the end of the show really so thank you for listening to week 58 of Is It Worth It the film review podcast now this episode was brought to you <laughs> by lots of coffee energy drinks and just lots and lots of sheer work and it was also supported by the lovely listeners that contribute to the show with Patreon. Shout out to Lorelei and the Gaming Bear. And if you enjoy the show and want to help us to continue, make the show, market the show, and hopefully give back to you guys with more content and one day some goodies, then join us on Patreon. Just head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash is it worth it podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, tell us about the films you've watched either at home or in the cinema, then you can email the show at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. That email address again, mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Or you can follow us on the various social media pages, Twitter, Facebookery, Instagram, uh, and, you know, that's three that we're active on. Maybe more soon. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Uh, the <laughs> the <laughs> anyway, the next episode, week 59, will feature films such as The Fast and Furious 99. <laughs> or is it nine? <laughs> um, I, we've lost count. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. Supernova, I am looking forward to that. Uh, In the Heights and Rare Beasts as well. Rare Beasts will be a hand solo review because uh, it's only available in uh, some smaller cinema chains, uh, The Odyssey to name but one. Um, David, if you can catch it, that'd be great. I will try. Okay. Um, it's Billy Piper's de uh, yeah, directorial yeah. debut. I'm really excited to watch that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to next week. We've got, a, you know, Fast and Furious 9, Supernova, In the Heights, three very different films. Um, some Oscar contenders, perhaps. Maybe. Well, how should we end the show? I don't know. Goodbye. Lots of love. <laughs> what? <laughs>